All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 250 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today I'm joined by... Alex and friend, <laughs> Daniel, he's on the board, and Ken, the voice of reason, 69th Hello. Blizzard. Um, let's do a little bit of news. I think first and foremost is uh, the video is already up on the channel, so if you've already seen it and wondered why, uh, let me just give you a little bit of backstory on it. WYSP94, radio station LP, obviously early 1980s. In particular, uh, record stations love to do their own little uh, promos. Who's typing? That hurts my ears. Sorry. <laughs> mute me, mute me while I monologue. Um, so years and years ago, Fancy Mix, or was it Fancy Fair? I think it was Fancy Mix, one of the early Japanese bootlegs that came out, came with a bunch of non-Kiss songs on it. I think uh, one of them was by Zon on that one. Um, but another one of the demos attributed to Kiss on that bootleg was Thunder in My Heart, and it's been a search ever since. Each one of those has been progressively debunked, whether it was Wet n' Wild, Rock Me Slowly, which were attributed to Eric Carr, um, 1980s Ladies, which were Circus Circus, Blackie Lawless, of course, um, the two Zahn songs, which I think were attributed to Mark St. John, uh, Take It All From Me, and I don't remember the other title off the top of my head. Ring Dang Do obviously was the jumping Gene Simmons. But Thunder in My Heart remained elusive. And it's not just good enough to say it's not Kiss. You have to be able to say who it is and where it was from in order to completely say, you know, that it's legitimately debunked. And this one, it, it was suggested it was by Cagney and the Dirty Rats. Even got in touch with members of that band, which included Mark Torian of pre-Bullet Boys fame. Nothing. Bought albums that had the title on it. Can. And year after year after year, we're never able to uncover it. Well, Alex Bergdahl, Talvis, as many people know, um, got in touch and mentioned, you know, that he had seen this listing on Discogs for this album, which had the title misspelled. So I picked up a couple copies of the record to confirm it. <laughs> Kev, you have to mute yourself. Thank you. That's <laughs> so funny. All right. Obviously, my monologue is dragging on, but the crux of the story is Thunder in My Heart is indeed on this by a band called U.S. Airwave. Um, 1981 is when the sampler came out, and uh, they had Alex got in touch with one of the members of the band. Um, I, I think one of his friends maybe have given him, and there are a couple of others, Magnus, and I don't remember the other chap's name who were involved in kind of un uncovering all of this, got in touch with them, and he said, yeah, you know, that's our song, and we put it out on a sampler, uh, they opened up for Cinderella, pre, you know, polygram Cinderella, and that's the story of the band, so it ended up on this sampler, always look inside your records, people, because this one had a ballot that you could send in to choose which was your favorite song. And on, on that mention, I was up at a record store the other day, and they had a copy of Love Gun. Wasn't going to buy it. Looked inside. Had some clippings in it. 
not toenail, newspaper. So that was like really cool. Always check inside records. Uh, all right. What other news? Ace Frehley. I mean, I looked on the FAQ today. There's like five threads with Ace in it. Ace is going deaf, according to Eddie Trunk. Yeah, no shit. That's why he, can, he uh, absolutely surrounds himself with monitors because he can't hear anything. Uh, that's not news. Ace says it's sad that Kiss couldn't sell out Madison Square Garden. Yeah, tickets were still on day on sale late in the day, but it did sell out eventually. Um, and he said, I offered my services and they just haven't made the decision to bring me back. And that's okay because I'm having a lot of fun as a solo artist. But I'm also concerned about the fans as well. I want to give the fans the biggest bang for their buck and they're not getting it at this juncture. Daniel, is the spaceman spacing out? Has he gone space cadet? Or what do you think on that comment? I just think so he likes money. You know, playing with Kiss gives him a lot of hell of a lot more money than playing in front of a 500 persons. So I think that's the real deal here. Uh, he's been trying for months to to get get into Kiss, but eventually he might when uh, ticket sales starts to when they start to is it called dwindle or dwell. I always mix them up. Dwindle. Perfect word. Dwindle. Yeah. Dwindle. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I think if they continue the tour for two years, he might do some shows with the band. But for now, no way. So he can just uh, continue with his solo band. And it's pretty good. Yep, absolutely. Ken, what are your thoughts on Ace? Uh, I'll, I'll just lead into the other statement that he's recently made as well, and this was speaking to Tulsa World about the general perception that he was the coolest member of KISS. If you look at the polls on the internet, I wish I could do an Ace voice. If you look at the polls on the internet, I was voted the most liked member of the band. So I don't know. If you believe the polls on the internet, I guess it's true. In my mind, I probably was the coolest guy. Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons really didn't have the street smarts that I had. They lived a more sheltered life. Right now, Peter Chris is shooting a Christmas tree. Uh, Ken, what's your take on the psychology of Ace Space Cadet Freely? Freely. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting comment. I mean, um, and the other thing about the, you know, kiss selling out, um, or being able to sell out. I mean, he's just a little dig because he's, you know, he's not been uh, invited back into the band as a, as a replacement for his replacement. <laughs> but, but, uh, so yeah, he's still, it's kind of a sore thing with him. Um, I think he would have already showed up on a, on a, on a, one of their, you know, shows had they, you know, really invited him. Um, and maybe he doesn't want to because he says, if not going to be full time, then forget it. I'm not going to show up. Um, so as for the other comment about, uh, he, yeah, um, him being, was it the hat or the, uh, favorite or what was the word? <laughs> uh, the most popular. Popular, yeah. Favorite popular. Um, well, maybe it was. I, I don't know. Maybe as far as, uh, you know, the solo albums, if you can go at that point, you know, because it did very well. Otherwise, I don't know. Everyone has their favorites. 
So I don't believe any of that stuff anyway. You know, I have my favorite, you know, Gene, and I think yours is Paul, and and so on. Everyone, and someone else is Ace, and so you have a little, you know, favoritism within it. But I don't think anyone is, you know, that much more than the other. Yeah, if I have to pick one these days, it's Peter. He doesn't make silly yeah. comments on the internet. He doesn't posture. True. He's just humble. He's cool. He's awesome. And that suits me just fine. You know, Paul Stanley says, of course, that the door is still open for these guest appearances. I guess it's still open to aliens appearing on stage as well. But, you know, everything's possible. Is it probable? That's probably semantics uh, very clearly. You're doing a good job. Right? That was a good belch out of her, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> um, the last bit of news, Mr. Vinny, his attempt to trademark Vinny Vincent's kiss down in flames, and no one was surprised. Nice job, Vinny. Got to give him like a cookie or something for persistence, uh, t- tempting that tiger as if he hasn't lost enough in legal fees by now. All right, let's get into today's topic. Um, Daniel came up with a really good suggestion of a kind of a what-if scenario. And it basically is, what era would we most like to see given Andrew Scambatti's greatest show on Earth treatment? And of course, he has uh, Kiss at Midnight coming out June, June the 28th, I believe. I've seen an early cut of it, and it is absolutely fantastic. If you enjoyed The Greatest Show on Earth, you're going to love um, his new video. And, of course, he's doing the rounds on various podcasts at the moment. He was just on podcast Rock City. I think he's got Kiss Room as well coming up. Um, so it, it's an interesting concept, Daniel. I mean, you, you start off with, you know, why that error how would you start it off? When would it end? What sort of interviews would you like to uh, include and whatnot? So why don't you tell us a little bit about the concept? And I'm going to let you go first on this, since it would, it would be a terrible thing for me, having done no preparation this week, to come out with my idea and steal yours. Um, so go for it. Well, like many other KISS fans, I really enjoyed the uh, video that he did uh, Andrew and I thought to myself wouldn't it be great to hear different KISS fans giving their ideas on their favorite era maybe you know we like so different uh, eras of the band some some guys are into the originals some guys found KISS in the 2000s and it would be great to hear fans talking about their favorite era which meant the most to them. I think it could be some really passionate ideas. And uh, I guess uh, there are many ways to do this. Um, Personally, I chose uh, the revenge era. Uh, First off, I I tried to make a synopsis to a film from 92 to 95, but it was just too much stuff. So I had to, you know, cut it after like a live. So uh, I did a brief synopsis if you want to hear. If you want to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It keeps me yeah. from talking for longer. Yeah. So 
the film would be called The Revenge Era. And it would basically deal with Kiss trying to rise from the ashes. You know, Kiss is firing on all cylinders live. But uh, I guess times have changed. And as the film progresses, it'll be obvious that no matter what they do, uh, you know, they can't uh, can't make it. Uh, despite sounding awesome live, they're kind of doomed. And the film would also uh, try to take you on a ride through 90s music and movies, maybe. I like the way Andrew did when he, you know, you, you, you felt the street bus in, in, in the film he did. So I'd try to, to incorporate some sort of, you know, early 90s feel using uh, movies and, and music that people know. Of. So, uh, uh, you know, I was a big movie buff back in the day as well. So, But uh, it's important to have the right balance between the movie clips and uh, the Kiss clips that I suggested, because Kiss has to be like the main thing. But I think you can sprinkle the film quite a bit with a few well-chosen film clips and uh, also include some of the current affairs that were going on at the time. So just to put the Revenger in some sort of context and maybe using a few different arcs and parallel stories. And I think it would be a kind of a nice film, uh, but uh, it wouldn't end that well. But Every film doesn't need a happy ending. No, we could talk more about kind of the ending and the interviews. You know, that's a good a good starting point for your movie. Um, Alex, what era would be the, the one that you would like a similar sort of treatment? I also threw in that, you know, for those of you who've seen uh, Alan G. Parker's movie, I think it was, it was 50 years ago today, on the Sgt. Pepper's album, that was a great way of looking at just doing um, kind of an era-specific documentary. I, I still wish if, it, if the Kiss one he had done was anything like that quality. It just makes it even more of a shame that it didn't make it out. All right, Alex, what's your, your idea? You know, I flip-flop between two. Um, I was flipping between uh, the dynasty period um, with kind of brief mentions of the earlier years. Um, but I really focused on, I really got stuck and really thought it'd be great if they could do something creatures related. I know there's really not much for creatures live shows, um, but with enough interviews using the press footage of the stage and everything, I think you can make a good hour long uh, creatures type of like special um, with, you know, some of the shows, uh, some of the videos from Rio, um, in Brazil, um, that Montreal, not, not the bootleg, unless you want to, you know, unless you do like a cool little caption, like fan film footage and maybe showed Benny playing the Looney Tunes theme, but, um, actually not Montreal, but, um, it was New Orleans. I think there was like a good, um, audience front row press of just creatures of the night. From the front row, I think it was New Orleans. Yeah, I, th be. I think it was news footage from there. So, um, but but I think you know you could do something cool and then have it end with just uh, just have the credits end with uh, with JJ Jackson's voice going. You know, we're now going to see Kiss without makeup for the very first time, and then end it like that. Good starting point. Again, we'll go back and talk about some of the interviews and maybe some of the other stuff that we'd all like to see in each one of these, but we'll just get the, the general errors each one of us want to talk about. Now, Ken, has he nicked your idea and have you had to flip to plan B for yours? And you're on mute still. No. 
That's a relief. Um, um, not, yeah, not really. Um, I guess the one I chose, I thought, to, yeah, choosing maybe a year or two. Then I just started thinking what was more interesting to me is uh, Kiss trying to stay kind of similar to um, Daniels in a way, but trying to stay relevant um, through a period of time, and a long period of time, mostly the 80s. Um, but I kind of start with, like, Kiss's last hurrah, where Peter Chris leaves the band, and then they bring in Eric Carr, or in mass, they do the Australian tour, huge success. But that's it. Everywhere else, they're kind of starting to drop off. And so then they try to stay relevant to, you know, going through the elder and showing that that was a, you know, a mistake of an idea to try to do that, uh, to appease the, the critics. Um, and then them trying to, okay, we're going to, you know, try to get back into, you know, uh, creatures of the night, try to be heavy again, uh, relevant. Um, but then it still doesn't really work. And then, you know, about the talk, they talk, they can talk about the sales and so on. And then the lick it up part where they take it, the makeup, makeup off to try to stay relevant and which they, it kind of works. Uh, and then continuing through, the trends, I guess you could say, of the 80s, all the 80s, where they're still trying to, you know, the Bon Jovi stuff, whatever, um, all that. Um, even, but earlier in the t- time period, they can talk about, you know, some of the bands that open for, like, uh, ACDC, Judas Priest, become, you know, and the British Invasion, the newest, newer heavy metal British Invasion, become bigger than them, um, and they're trying to keep up with them through the eighties and, and so on and trying to stay relevant and ending where, you know, uh, I guess hot, hot in the shade where they kind of get their minds back and, and, uh, you know, they start, uh, you know, celebrating their, their earlier history of music. So that kind of, uh, documentary or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you just touched on something that, you know, I I think is ripe for an updating, and it's not what I would pick today, but the Inner Sanctum. If you think about what that documentary was, I think that could be redone, uh, Mm -hmm. considering the amount of footage that now circulates and exists, and be done in a much better way by Andrew or someone, you know, like that. But it's not what I would pick. I, I would go with Danger Zone. And you, you, oh, know, yeah. you know exactly yeah. what I'm going to talk about now, just because, uh, again, it's not that the music's grown on me particularly. Um, I, I, I think your daughter wants more screen time. Um, it's because I think it makes a good story. It starts off with, you know, footage from the Asylum tour. Okay, which how much pro pro footage <laughs> they're out? You know, starts there. I mean, there's probably five minutes of pro footage um and then you have to mix in the videos and just show you know that the kiss was on a down again after animalize and needed to rethink and try something new something drastic you talk about gene taking time off to do all these projects in 1986 about paul stanley thinking about doing a solo album which was reported in the press and abandoning the idea to focus on writing and preparing for crazy nights you get into why 
and again, you touched on part of that. Some of the bands that had opened for them were now had already overtaken them: Bon Jovi, um, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue. Yeah. So that really becomes a chapter in itself because you're talking about those bands. Look at Judas Priest, and I mean, even through the Fuel for Life tour in '86, they were still bigger and pulling in, you know. Uh, you know, again, it was spotty audiences like many bands like Rat at that point, um, but still bigger audiences than Kiss were pulling in. So that makes a nice bit of you can draw in all these other bands to kind of contrast their fortunes as this band started out opening for Kiss on the 1980 European Unmasked. They're now, you know, on tour and you can talk about Vinny and Ace opening for them, you know, Iron Maiden in that case motley crew obviously opened for them in 83 and by 87 well they were just on the cusp really of uh i guess super multi-platinumness um so that's where it kind of builds what's the live footage for um for these shows that you kind of envisage you, you've mentioned a little bit in passing but what are some of the the scenes that you would be critical or you think would be critical to telling your story daniel well uh, i will mix from a few sources but but uh, really in the start of the film i would try to to set the tone you know it's a time of turmoil uh maybe the news report of eric Carr dying uh, maybe including the L.A. riots, uh, showing a brief clip of Nirvana, Nir, Nir, Nirvana playing live, uh, and understanding that Kiss isn't very similar to them. Uh, maybe even uh, adding Bill Clinton, not not Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton being <laughs> being elected the president. So uh, it would have been better if it was Bill Coin, maybe. Yeah, know. you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but because there's some great stories from Clinton's era in office that could be used as a parallel parallel story in this film. Um, I'll, I'll talk more on that later, and maybe adding something from uh, the films from that era. Maybe a shot from. Uh, the Fugitive with Harrison Ford, you know, when he's, I don't know if you've seen that film, but, but he's, he's uh, trying to escape and he's changing his looks. He's, uh, he's coloring his hair and trying to look uh, different and younger and cooler. And I think that's what Kiss put in a lot of effort into doing at this point of time. So th I think you could use a few stuff like that, a few different clips like that and uh, then maybe just for laughs you could add some silly commercials from 92 like the Mark Wahlberg uh, commercials when he's strutting around in uh, boxer shorts or something. Yes. Oh yes. no, no, no. Yeah. 92, <laughs> that means new kids on the block. Yes, yes. And, and who was yeah. the British equivalent? I think, I can't remember, take that or they come a yeah. little bit later. Yeah. Oh my, yeah, oh no, oh yeah. no, mercy. Yeah, that would draw some laughter, I think. I think it would work. Just briefly, of course. Yeah. So I would start like that, and then later on I would move into live clips with Kiss. But first of all, you need to understand that Kiss was in a place they had dug themselves deep in a hole. And what, 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 what now? What do they have to do in order to get out of that hole? And then they will start building up... Uh, 
their confidence again in, in the next part of the, of the film. Right, Alex, don't worry. I can see you're muted and you've got one hand with a bottle and the other hand holding babies. I'm going to go to Ken for, uh, you know, what are some of the key scenes that uh, you really think would be critical to telling your story? And, and yours is so broad. You've got so many that you, can, that you now have to try and fit in there. That's why you need someone like Andrew who doesn't have a executive producer saying that's too long. You need to edit that out. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep it, you know, kind of gloss over uh, some of it, you know, uh, rather quickly. Um, you can't just focus on one year too long. Um, so, like I said, uh, I think the inner sanctum would be a good uh, showing part of that, you know, how they were and when they were uh, received uh, in that building where they're out in on the, uh, I don't know, what do you want a balcony yeah the lord of that room building yeah 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 and and we, and then and then going to uh the elder and their look again like the you know, the look change you know it's like they tried to look they tried to change the music well here's a, here's um, a great sequence uh for changing that scene you just have like a pair of clippers come across the screen and yeah yeah, yeah. The, new, exactly. the, new, the new elder look appears tick, 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 tick. yeah and it goes and then and then uh, with the creatures, they can have, I mean, there's not a whole lot, of course, of that, but there is a little bit. Uh, but there's some of the, the interviews during the time. You could see they're, they're down and depressed. Um, and, you know, Ace going, going out, Vinny coming in at that point. Um, and, and then, like you said, maybe during when they go to the makeup part, you can see like these sponges or something, you know, wiping the makeup off of their faces and it shows their real faces uh, behind the makeup. Um, and, and I guess you could show part of the MTV, MTV, you know, unmasking for the Lick It Up video that was on Sunday night at whatever, 8 p.m. from what I remember. <laughs> um, uh, when they did that, uh, revealed themselves. Um, so and then, you know, short, you know, a little bit of concert footage and interviews during those time periods and what was going on during those time periods as far as music and other bands that were relevant during those different years that we're going through. So you've got a great era included in yours because, you know, you can touch on some of the, the fundamentalists who, you know, the protests against the band in 83. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the Peters Brothers, true, right? uh, the, Wendy yeah. William, the Wendy O. Williams angle. I mean, that, that'd be some good screen, right. screen time, you know, trying to bring acts like that out as well. So that would be very good. Uh, Alex, are you able? Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is I mean. uh, the, the key, the key <laughs> footage and the kind of things that you'd want to include in your or in your story. So I know for me, like I mentioned, um, live footage, I'm, I'd be looking at like the Rio show, um, that New Orleans creatures, you know, news, news footage, um, for the live stuff. So I mean, again, you know, there's not much. I totally get that, but, but there is a decent amount of interviews though that can, can be used to, to uh, supplement, um, a kind of a showing like that. Again, looking at the type of video that was made for the greatest show on earth, you know, it, you know, it's not like a full live kiss concert, you know, it's, it's a portion. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking at like an hour, like length or hour and a half, even you, you could probably get an hour and a half. Um, but so some of the press footage I would use, um, would be 
the um, what came out, I guess, you know, a couple of years ago um, from the, the Creatures of the Night press conference with Ace mm-hmm. as the interview, and you can use some of that footage. Um, I've also always liked the Night Flight interview yeah. that that's out there. And then, of course, there's a couple other little interviews that are that are out there on the web. Um, you know, I know there's like the, uh, the TMT interview. It's not a long one. Stuff like that. There's enough little itty-bitty uh, clips. Yeah, n- night use. Flight, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, it? but Night Flight, you've got like a good hour uh, yeah. and, and stuff. And, and, you, and scissors. And you, yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, yeah, you know, using using scissors and splicing, you know, I'm, I mean, there was, of course, the, the funny film at the end of the interview, and even just before it, too. Um, in fact, I remember one of the things that stood out uh, on, like, that unedited of the night flight was, like, the producer or whoever was in charge was like, okay, guys, lean in, you know, kind of like you guys get along kind of a thing. Um, but so there's definitely footage uh, that could help supplement and make a make a fun piece. And um, I guess if you were looking at it, like, if it was made, you know, 50 years from now, but, you know, a handful of years later, um, I wouldn't be against that they used um, some audio, you know, took audio, don't use the video aspect, but took the audio of maybe a little bit of like from Vinny from the Atlanta Expo, um, stuff like that. I'm sure they could find a little golden nuggets that they can use to supplement and, and beef up the uh, the show. Sorry, did I go too much? No, not at all. And I was thinking of those two bits of footage that did service on Getty a couple of years ago, which was obviously the pro shot version of the creatures press conference which had circulated for years in very poor audio form um it was great to finally get to see that and the magnificent stage as well as obviously being able to hear everything crystal clear so that's very good footage and it's new enough that there are probably people out there who are now catching on to andrew's sorts of movies that would be interested in seeing that it might be new to them um the unaired mtv interview which was also came out through getty at the same time was another great bit of footage and some of the backstage stuff of them walking into the um the sound stage which was also included in some of those clips are great additions to the creatures story for ken's i'm thinking right on the board right now the footage that's just surfaced for some people is vienna 1981 when um eric and gene flew out to vienna to receive a music award an auto award i think it was mm-hmm. um and i'm not even going to try and say the austrian newspaper Rebenhan or Zipperbahn or something like that express and they were on stage in front of 15,000 people um, chucking out, I think it was Talk to Me singles into the audience, and the Austrian, I think, football team were there. Um, so there, I'm just saying that there's more footage than what just surfaced, and they're interviewed backstage by, was it okay? Well, whatever, by someone. So that footage would be very new to someone, but it also serves as a great transition point for 1980 into 81. And almost, I think for for that, for the sequence, you'd need to have something like a Monty Python. And now for something completely different, then the clippers come across the screen and you have them showing up in the the final time that they wore the unmasked um, outfits and Mm -hmm. Jean's clearly wearing a wig. Um, Yeah. Yeah, now for something completely different, go straight into Gene's Grotus screen test. That, that one never starts. Oh, yeah. that, that's, that's horrible. Absolutely yeah. horrible. All right, getting into my Crazy Nights one, you know, what sort of footage? Well, I want to, I'm going to assume that NHK filmed both nights of Tokyo, and only the one 
um, circulates. Audio from both of them does circulate. So that would form the majority of the musical performance, if not the whole soundtrack to that, um, because that performance has actually grown on me a lot. When I was doing the Danger Zone book, again, I've mentioned many times, it made me reevaluate what I felt about Crazy Nights, the album, and even in doing the research for it, it made me persuade myself that I liked it more than I actually did at the time, and I could appreciate more now what they were trying to do then. That's a complex sentence. Um, hope it made sense. But then I lose my train of thought. There's also stuff like the European Monsters of Rock tour, which has some great footage, where Gary Corbett, I think it's Schweinfurt in Germany, um, shows up on the side of the key on the side of the stage, grinning like Gary does. And if you ever met Gary in person, Gary's like that. Um, how your offstage musicians are supposed to be heard and not seen would be a, a great way of framing him into the story. <laughs> There's also Philadelphia, uh, the Spectrum, most of which was, I think, used as a Kissology bonus disc. So you get to focus a little bit more on the stage and the production for what was used in the majority of the United States, which was basically the animalized stage taken to its maximum metal grate and nothing kiss is reduced to just giant metal grates is their metal phase um and then i don't think there's a tremendous amount of other footage i'd probably take some out of the turn on the night alex thought well i was gonna say wasn't there like um some back or behind the scenes of when they did the music videos i i'd seen there, some footage there, there was there's about so many I think at last count it's like five hours of Crazy Nights footage from the making of that video. It's I've never made it through it um, because it's I that was one of the things I actually thought about doing was um, taking all of that footage and making an alternative mix of the Crazy Nights video with Paul Stanley's demo as the audio. So, but I'm not good enough. I, I simply don't have the skills to do it. I was going to throw too. I we just mentioned with the demo. I was curious on that too. Um, there was a documentary that came out a couple years ago on Chicago, and um, they talk about uh, David Foster, Peter Cetera, you know, big hype. But anyways, they played they played part of a demo of Hard Habit to Break, where they actually had three of the guys singing it, and then of course they dropped Robert Lamb from singing it. But it was an interesting segue. So I was curious if you'd use uh, like demos maybe that's totally what i was going to go into when we talked about the music but since you preempted me let me just say that if you've ever watched uh what was it def leopard which one is it is it hysteria that they are in the studio with phil and he's fiddling with the knobs on what is it animal going through all the multi-tracks of what is there, the original stuff that was then not in the final mix. And I think it would be great to film Ron Nevison in the studio. He, again, this is a, another current affairs kind of thing that he's talked again, as he did in the interview he gave with Tim years ago, about a desire to remix Crazy Nights. So it would be great to have footage of Ron Nevison in the studio on the multi-tracks of several of the songs playing with the faders and taking tracks up and taking tracks down. And also because it would be pre-mastered and pre-whatevered, you'd get a more 
a better feel for the material had it not been polished as much. So he would be able to take you through the dynamic range of it sounding hard rock to sounding pop rock, which I would be a great explanation of where he went with the sound in terms of the thinking and some of the tools that he did apply in the mid-1980s. It, it could be a very technical uh, part of the documentary that some people would really love and others would just hear the changes in the music and not really care. Um, that sort of thing I would love. Music-wise, Daniel. Well, I'm just going to go through my film as I'm thinking it will... Uh how do you say it in English? Dramaturgically, you know. Ah, well, we started off, uh, Kiss was down and out. So far from their goal of becoming a great big band again. So in this second part, I would um, show the beginnings of uh, the revenge uh, era when they started getting ready for releasing the album. Uh, interviews where they are pushing the albums, uh, getting good reviews. There are a, few, a lot of those. Uh, and it starts off quite well, you know. So the audience of this movie uh, would feel like, yeah, maybe they can make it. Maybe they can reemerge as one of the biggest bands once again. Because uh, they started off doing some interview with uh, Ricky Rockman and... Uh, presenting Eric Singer to, to the audience. And uh, then they started off the club tour, with, which, of course, was a sellout. Uh, it was sold out, sold out. All, all the, they sold out every club, of course. And uh, you started to feel that maybe they can do something once again. And, um, of course, I would have to include some of the biggest acts of this time. I think I would use a clip from Metallica when they're playing the uh, some of the music awards, and then maybe morph uh, James Hetfield's face into Gene in the Unholy video, because, come to think of it, I think Gene pretty much modeled himself after James Hetfield a, a bit. I mean, uh, pretty close to James Hetfield's look. So then the audience would feel, well, maybe they are onto something. Uh, they are not that far away from the biggest band around. And, uh, of course, here you would use a few live clips or live uh, videos from there. Are quite a few pretty good single shot uh, shows from the club tour. And I think a guy like Andrew could put something interesting together uh, using those and maybe using the, the sound from the Brooklyn show because it sounds really good. Um, so that would be the first part of them starting to establish themselves once again as a cool band. And maybe a part two of that would be the UK tour, with, which also was, from what I understand, a, a success. Uh, and you could include clips from the Headbangers Ball special with Vanessa Warwick. I think it's 35, 40 minutes. Um, Dutch, maybe Dutch TV. Yeah, Dutch TV as well. When they uh, lip, no, they didn't lip sync. They, oh, they played on holy. I think they they played, but I think the the, the music was pre-recorded. But at least they sang. Uh, not like these days. Now and, it's, now, uh, now it's uh, the other way around. So what's the yeah, difference? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but uh, you could also use. There are two 
songs from their show at Wembley, I think it is, when they play I Stole Your Love and Deuce, and it's um, filmed professionally by a single camera. Maybe you could find some some good uh, high quality of that uh, and, and include that. Uh, and this would be the anticipation. You feel the anticipation. You feel that Kiss might come back. And that's important in a movie to, to you know, like root for the band. Yeah, they're going to make it. But then uh, things start to go south later on. Yeah, I've been really bad at watching footage from the Revenge era. I mean, I know when they were in London, there was the Kiss convention that I think Gene and Paul um, attended briefly. You know, so I wonder if there's any pro footage of that. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. One thing I'm surprised you didn't say when you're talking about the contemporary bands of 1991-92, you've mentioned Nirvana, you've mentioned Metallica, you've left one big one out. And uh, Lonnie would be very upset. Guns and Roses. Uh, yeah, of course. And, yeah. and, you know, while it's... Uh, a little bit later than say the the beginning of the revenge cycle the riots that they were causing was you know yeah. kind of harkening back to the 70s and some of the concert drama you know same with metallica when did uh jane, jane set himself on fire was that 92 as well because yeah it, it was because they were they were pissed that guns and roses didn't kind of step up and help so um mm-hmm. you, you know all of that uh, yeah of course revenge i mean it really, mm-hmm. really become it could easily become more about 1992 that you know mm-hmm. behind the music 1992 and and whatnot ken let's go to you on your era and your movie you know what are the the dynamics of the music that uh you want to make sure our feature and then we're going to you know pick a few songs mm-hmm. that are critical to telling the story for each one of these movies yeah, I think in just during the period, I mean, we're going through a whole bunch of albums and just giving a background of the style of music that they were uh, doing at the time. Um, uh, so I would have that running in the background, kind of like similar to how they did, um, what was it, uh, Face to Music? What was the VH1 special? Not Face to Music, but Behind the Makeup, I think it was called. Behind the music. Um, beyond right. the makeup. Beyond the makeup. Beyond the beyond, beyond the makeup. The makeup beyond, yeah. behind. I have the bootleg of that. Yeah. Where the music is uh, playing in the background, little snippets of that time period that they're in. Um, and as they mentioned, like I said, the other bands they could also, you know, play some of those other bands, you know, snippets of their music or a little shot of. You know, for instance, Motley Crue on stage uh, doing a little part of one of their songs um, or, you know, any of those bands. So I would definitely have that kind of music going in the background besides, again, trying to show any kind of live performances and how they were uh, trying to uh, get back. Um, and, And stuff about the tour. I mean, where they were having a hard time selling tickets, you know, from. Uh, even through Lick It Up, they weren't selling. I mean, they went, they were downgrading shows and arenas during that time period. So I would continue with that. Uh, if we can put any music videos in there, uh, during the time, because they made a lot of music videos during the time, they can have snippets from those too, because you got to show those asylum outfits. And when you get to that point, for sure, is seeing like, 
what they did and you know then the album covers and and, and so on um yeah but they can still talk about uh, gene and what he was branching off into trying to produce other artists and bands and artists and not focusing and about paul you know kind of taking the reins and and steering the ship through the 80s so cool alex while 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 you can speak what is <laughs> what are some um, of the key musical sequences and scenes that you'd envisage being important to your story so I, I liked the same thing with with Beyond the Makeup. I, I thought that was such a tremendously done documentary on the band, especially the music. I mean, I was kind of coming in. Oh, I've always been like a Kiss fan, but that was like the one that kind of got me really going and getting the the remasters and stuff. And so I remember hearing clips of songs. Um, so I definitely like that type of editing, you know, outside the uh, the live footage. Um, I, I would stick to a lot of obviously Creatures era um, for the for the music. But I would be willing to throw in a few, uh, you know, some of the demos in the background, like It's My Life, you know, like the one that's on, on the Gene Simmons vault. You know, you can have that in the background as they're talking of, you know, working on the album and stuff. Um, but I thought for like a closing credits aspect uh, for it, uh, for the um, my envision of, of like a creature's arrow going in to look it up would be the Not for the Innocent uh, with the Gene and Paul oh, trade off. Oh, I love that. Just, just as like because it's like you know yeah you get the JJ Jackson going we're not going to see Kiss without the makeup but then it ends with that version though because it's not like what's on like it up but it was a creature's error uh, so I just think like that would be really great um, and then you know obviously you know you you have to touch up a little bit pre she's she's singing along too uh, you have to touch up a little bit pre um, getting into that creature's error and they can use some of the the music of the time. Uh, for like a brief overview, but really just a lot of the creatures era uh, material on some of the demos. Awesome. Wrong button. Um, for mine, well, I've mentioned some of the music that I think would be important is going through the demos and showing how things really changed with um, being overproduced or not. That's such an unfair term to use for Ron. And I apologize. It's not overproduced. He produced exactly to spec, but I, I want to have some of the other music in mind be the demos of Sword and Stone, Hide Your Heart, stuff that was left off the album. You've mentioned The Vault, so Dial L for Love again, and Are You Always This Hot? Are, you know, Those are the big ones for what was left off. And in the case of Sword and Stone, you know, many fans feel aggrieved that that was left off. In, in terms of music sequences, I think the videos that were made for this album serve that purpose perfectly crazy nights just you to rip out the footage either from you know the uncut version of that video reason to live has an important prominent place in this um but i think it's important also to go to some of the studios and i want to have some captain and Neil in my crazy night story because that really sets the stage for pop music and kind of paul stanley you know just having Captain and Tennille playing in the background of talking about the monologue of talking about what Paul Stanley's aim or goals were for this album, because of course they recorded a rumbo recorders, which was 
Daryl Dragon's studio. Oh, yeah. So that's, right. that's why it's nice to tie those little pieces of minutia, those silly little threads <laughs> together. And someone will get it. They're like Easter eggs for geeks. You know, someone will be like, oh, ha, 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 I get it. Oh, it's Captain and Tennille's playing and they're at Rumbo. Yeah. They'll, they'll keep us together. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. And again, that song. When Gene and Paul are on the outs, and Paul basically hates Gene at this time, and <laughs> you, you, perfect. you get to face the music, and Paul tells the story of Gene buying him the Porsche, the one that was used in the video. Um, you know, so there, there's so many little things that you can do, um, but it's also important to tell the current affairs of 1987. So you got to have some Margaret Thatcher. You've got to have some Ronnie Reagan. You've got to have some of the politics right. of that era, some of the big news of 86, 87, maybe some of the PMRC hearings. I can't remember. Was that 87 or 86 or 80, 85? I think it was 85. But it mm. still colors the era of music that – if you didn't have that parental guidance sticker on the front of your album, you basically guaranteed you weren't going to sell a million copies <laughs> because you were guaranteed to sell more with a parental guidance sticker on because there had right. a forbidden fruit. You know, you're, you want to take a bite of yes. that apple. You had a thought you, there, Alex? Yeah. Would you, uh, cause you, you speak in the crazy nights. Would you at all use any of the, uh, smashes, thrashes period stuff at all? Or would you just avoid that altogether? Mm. I don't know. You know, over the closing sequence, maybe Paul swinging from the... Uh, Everyone should avoid that one. Or <laughs> when he's dancing in his chain mail. <laughs> it's just not a good era to focus on. Uh, but it does kind of bookend the Crazy Nights era because 88, mm -hmm. they're doing the European Monsters of Rock tour. They did outdoor festival. Well, they did one in... Uh, Swansea, New Hampshire, and then they went outside for the Monsters of Rock. So Monsters of Rock has to be part of the story because they're on tour opening at Donington yeah. for 90,000 people. Um, and yeah. Iron Maiden's the headliner. David Lee Roth and them are flipping on the bill. Who else is on there? Yingwei was supposed to open for them mm -hmm. when they went on um, the road by themselves. And so, you know, that's like a whole part, too. Uh, that European one, because then you get into Gary Corbett stories of what they got up to or what Eric Carr got up to in Holland, uh, Amsterdam specifically. So, oh. so there's a, there's a, a lot to that era, which I think it could be visually appealing. I don't know how much uh, footage there is from local news out there. Um, there's certainly mm. a lot of uh, news stock footage for Donington that year because of the deaths that occurred at the, at the um, festival, but uh, for the rest of it in Europe and Scandinavia, I'm I'm not too certain. And there weren't that many of these monster shows, to be honest. I mean, I think they went to Hungary for one, and I'd have to pull up the website, which I'm not willing to do right now. But I think that that's a great story because you also can end with while they're out here for the Monsters of Rock, Paul Stanley's going into the studio to record new songs for their greatest hits album, you know and yeah. But I don't really want to have either of those. Maybe you make me rock hard because that's not that's a little bit less bad than the other. Well, you could also you could always end it too on like Paul going off to a solo tour and be like, you know, I don't know. 
I, I think one thing I would religiously yeah. try and not do with mine is use any footage out of the exposed video. So there'd be no chimpanzees. There would be no saunas. There would be... No dorky no, interview. <laughs> no, no butlers. Um, I don't know. I like the pie in the face, though. That's... <laughs> yeah. And Paul, Paul Stanley's workout and uh, post-Wheaties, because I'm a rough kind of guy. Like, I love that. I'm going to watch that this weekend. So, you know, I think avoiding some of the stuff that was released on that. Daniel, would you avoid the stuff that was incorporated on kind of the Alive 3 video, you know, Kiss Confidential and Kiss Extreme Close-Up? Well, it's, uh, uh, it's hard because I think the final part of uh, the movie – have to include the greatness of Kiss playing live during this period. And the only concerts that's really out there, from 92 at least, there are a few from 94, but from 92 is is uh, the Detroit concert. So I think I will have to use that one. Bethlehem, uh, first night. Oh, yeah. It's one of the better audience ones, but there was yeah. also MTV footage shot at the rehearsals there as well. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. And of course, MTV yes. footage, as you mentioned, from uh, the, mm. the club tour. Yeah, but but at least you would have to show like War Machine from Detroit because that's just a, such an awesome performance and uh, maybe a few others. And then you would have to include other clips that showed that uh, I would cross cut between live clips from Detroit and uh, maybe attendance numbers. So, so you understand what is happening. And it would be such a contrast between how good the band looked, how, how, how well they performed and the audience just not getting it. And that of course you could uh, include uh, other video clips like uh, uh, the one from A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth, Jack Nicholson's great line, because Gene and Paul couldn't handle it, but they really didn't have the audience to play arenas. They should have played smaller places. And, uh, you know, playing the last card, Alive 3, I would like to include the performance from Arsenio Hall show because I think it's one of the best TV performances of Kiss's career, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. And once again, you could include like a scene from Groundhog Day, you know that film with that movie with Bill uh, Murray. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. And everything just starts over. No matter what he does, he wakes up and it's the same situation once again. And that was really what it was like for Kiss. No matter what they did, they couldn't, you know, get out of the. Yeah, they couldn't get the audiences. And as a final touch, you could actually add a scene from Jurassic Park because most people thought they were like dinosaurs. So, so, um, and uh, for the last scene, I would probably use uh, the one from the American Music Awards in 93 when they are handing an award to uh, Scott Whelan and the Stone Temple Pilots. Mm. It's sort of passing the baton on to to the new guys, and maybe add a scene from uh, <clears throat> once we were once were warriors. You know that film from New Zealand um, about the Maori people. There's just such a good scene that a lot of Maori people are sitting around a guy. You know they have tattoos all over their faces, and they're mocking the guy without the tattoos sitting in the middle so it kind of resembles me of 
you know, kiss without makeup, kiss with makeup, and I would add, and it's with, with that scene, maybe. That's, that's really deep. Uh, Alex, <laughs> going, no. going, going to your Creatures movie, I'm just watching some footage here on the computer um, that we haven't mentioned, Pop Rock, 82 Holland. I love it. Oh, yeah. uh, it's absolutely <laughs> stunning. And what else is on here? I forgot to mention, I think, showing some of the footage, uh, the promotional footage. Um, the, there's the one on Kissology 2 that's I love a lot. Is that the one you just mentioned? Yeah. I'm... And then there's the first there's Creatures of the Night. Yep. Uh, well, they lip synced, and obviously Ace was there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. Some, there's some real good uh, live performances from uh, some TV news uh, where you see the explosions going off and, and everything. I think. And you could... I forgot to mention audio too. There's also that really excellent Universal City, that Los Angeles mm-hmm. show. Uh, that uh, you were at that show, weren't you, Ken? I was there. <laughs> yeah, so perfect. We could have Ken in this. <laughs> Ken could be on the got video, vinyl. detailing his story. Yeah. Um, but you know, you could throw some of the other songs that those on video footage of live in the background as like a you know like ice. Like I actually, I've always liked the "I Still Love You" from that performance and stuff, even the live. And everybody likes the unplugged version, which is excellent. Um, but I think there was some good live in the '80s too of "I Still Love You" that they could use in the background. Would you do anything with Rio then? Would you use that? Oh song? yeah, Rio. Rio would be kind of like yeah. the main, kind of the main footage uh, for the live concert portion and stuff. And I was going to ask you, Daniel, I didn't get the chance earlier, but um, if it was to come out, because um, there was a really great interview that I think Julian you posted uh, from '91, uh, Kiss in the Studio with with the Brutus. Yeah, Lou Brutus, uh, W H Y J or something, Providence, Rhode and, Island. And he talks about, uh, you know, they're already going into the next album and doing the pre-production. Would you be willing to use it if their audio was to surface from that? Would that be something you'd throw in there? Yeah, there's so much you can throw in. That's one of them. Uh, and the one when Eric Carr is telling everyone that he's getting better. Uh, and, and that would be mm. kind of interesting to have on this as well. And, of course, you would have to end paying homage to Eric somehow with, with mm. something Maybe Eric Carr jam in the background. So you, you hear that or something. I don't yeah. know. The last the last episode of FAQ Carr jam wasn't everybody's favorite. <laughs> no, but it's yeah. you know. No, because so, so, something has to be down at the bottom, and you know, I, yeah. I think one of the things I, I thought about afterwards when I was reading some of the comments on the uh, on the YouTube feed for it, and and no one actually mentioned it, but I, I suddenly thought. You know, I'd criticize them for taking off Ace's guitar work and putting on Bruce. But you know what? I didn't consider one angle of that. And that was that Bruce was allowed to pay tribute to Eric himself by doing that guitar work on Car Jam. So exactly. it, it wasn't necessarily a slight to Ace. You know, it, I think thinking about it a bit more than I did during that show, it was more of a tribute from Bruce to Eric, much like they had jammed No, No, No in the intro, you know, to that uh, during the Crazy Nights tour. They jammed on stage together, those two. So it was kind of a nice booking. And I hadn't considered that. I didn't want to just throw that in there because you're talking about the Revenge era. And that, of course, was last week's show. And, you know, it it was something that I felt. um, it, It almost seemed like a dig at Bruce, which it certainly wasn't. You know, and I just kind of would have preferred Ace's stuff to be there. But then thinking about it more, it's perfectly fine. Bruce 
give, uh, paying tribute to Eric as well on, in that way, and at least makes okay. it f- fit in with the album better. Good clarification. Yeah, I'm, and don't don't call me out on that either. It's uh, no. <laughs> not that anyone ever calls me out for anything on that. Never. All right. So, any final thoughts on each of your episodes, Alex? You've done a fantastic job of juggling, talking, thinking, <laughs> feeding, burping, entertaining. Yeah, I mean, what you're doing on that side of the camera is way more important than this side. So, yeah. more power to you. Thank you for being a part of the show and multitasking with your daughter, especially she's uh, so young, so pretty. Nice to appreciate it. Nice to see a young, a young, a young, a young dad. You're doing, you're doing a great job. So. Um, but yeah, final thoughts. Um, you know, I, you know, I'd like to see some of this stuff continue, uh, whether it's other people, uh, getting involved in doing it. Um, um, I, I think the, the concept of like the greatest show on earth and, and other things are all a great concept. And, and as fans, I think it, it almost puts an outlet and, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I think sometimes us as fans, we we know what we'd love to see than maybe the band would love to see. And exactly. um, and that's the great thing. Uh, sometimes when you see some of these fan-made things is they, they're hitting now because they, they know what they want. I mean, I think that's why Tommy, especially like when you look at like Beyond the Makeup and stuff like that, that he had, had a hand in, you know, with being a fan because he knew that's what the fans would like. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see some more stuff come out, you know, whether it's... Uh, you know, the greatest show on earth people, or if it was, um, you know, somebody else, uh, somebody else with some talent with, with editing skills with like iMovie or whatever, uh, other film uh, type uh, programs are out there. Um, there's so much to, so much to see and do. And who knows, maybe kiss might, you know, I don't know if they've seen them or anything, but maybe they might see it. you know, heck I'd be, you know, I've, I've seen kiss now a couple of times with Alan's book and Nicholas Buckland's book. Uh, a hottest brand in the land, um, you know, they sanction and, and, you know, maybe kiss might say, Hey, you know what? We like what you did. We're going to sanction that. We're going to, we're we, gonna... we own all of it anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll authorize it. Let's put our name on it and, and, you know, we'll give you credit. We'll send you a signed copy, you know, it'd be cool. We won't sue you. You never know. Um, Daniel, your, your kind of final thoughts on all of this. Well, I would just like to, uh, much like uh, uh, Alex said, uh, it would be great to see fans do more f- movies because the editing tools are out there. It's not that hard. I mean, it really comes down to having a lot of free time. And most of us uh, have to juggle kids and uh, work and you know, being a adult and a parent. So uh, if these type of editing tools were available back in the 90s, I sure would have done a, one or two fit movies. But I really can't find the time to do it now. So I just have to say I really appreciate the work that Andrew has done, and I hope more people will follow in his footsteps because I think uh, KISS fans really appreciate these kinds of movies. And it can't be underlined enough uh, how how fun and great it is to see these type of, of movies. So I want to see more of them. 
Yeah, you know, this is just fantasy time talking about some ideas and concepts that might interest us personally. You know, I don't have the skills or patience. It's a matter of patience more than anything else because I've got all the video editing software. I don't have Final Cut Pro. Um, I just don't have the patience to really sit and think it through. I've done audio ones, and you might even get to hear one one of these days. Um, but video, that's a whole different ball of wax because it's so visual. And in order to tie a story, that's why I like what Andrew did with basing The Greatest Show on Earth on what if the Alive 2 album was a, you know, a television special. And you know what hopefully we'll get to see in Kiss at Midnight is similar for you know the Alive era. So the, the idea of doing it for... A different era I really go more into Alan Parker's way of storytelling and less heavy on the interviews because obviously the Sgt. Pepper's one which I finally watched for the first time the other night and I regret not watching it sooner because it was extremely well done but I want to see a more musical one which has a lot of problems because of licensing rights and footage and all of that stuff so it is easier to go out and get new interviews to string a story together than it is to do what I think he'd wanted to do with uh, the hottest band in the world, or you wanted the best, or what the the heck was his title? So, you know, if something that we've said today motivates someone to, yeah, go out and do it, you know, it doesn't have to be Andrew. It could be anyone. But I I think Andrew has started to build a nice little niche for himself. So I, I hope he will become motivated to make this a habit, not just a passing fancy because, you know, there's two in the can and what's next? You're only as good as your next project, as uh, I've often heard. Ken, you're the voice of reason, so lead us out with your final thoughts. Well, it, it's it's kind of sad that the it's it's Kiss has left the fans, you know, to do this, to put these documentaries out. And, you know, I don't I don't understand why they cannot do a proper documentary, even though it's a, there's a canned one out there, the Parker one. Um, just, you know, come on, let's, let's do it. Do a proper documentary. It should be done. They have a storied career. Um, it's just it's really just ridiculous. I mean, they can do one like the Tom Petty documentary or the Eagles documentary. Um, a lot of these are just they're fantastic documentaries. They, they run long. Obviously, there's long careers. Um, but uh, I do. I, I think it's great that Andrew is is doing these videos because you know Kiss is not doing them. So some fan might as well do them and give it to the other fans out there um, and have them enjoy it. Uh, so I just I just think it's a, a sad thing that Kiss is not you know putting anything out really lacking in video videos like i think daniel was saying or alex was saying um maybe all of us were saying they're just not putting anything out um and they're the most visual band ever uh it just doesn't make sense and and if they do one they try to do one besides doing it like a tom petty they could do it like a beatles anthology or something like that Um, just said what i was gonna say yeah, yeah, anthology. I have that, and that would be fantastic. Uh, I mean, it can be t- ten hours. I mean, and you know what? They could 
easily fill that. No problem. No and please problem. don't scamp. I was listening to uh, Rock Growing Up Rock podcast, and Y&T has uh, got a documentary coming out, and Dave Manichetti said, yeah, at first it was going to be like seven hours. We had to cut it down to like two, and I'm like, no, don't wow. cut it down to two. You can put as many discs on there as you want. I will buy it. Take my money. Well, like the anthology, <laughs> you get the director's cut. Because, you know, that's the, basically mm-hmm. the version before the director's forced to cut um, is, is kind of what I always take that to be. And Menachetti, just, he was in the news today. Uh, he's now going to be offering pay to watch the sound checks, <laughs> so, which I find hilarious coming from Y&T. But that's beside the point. All right. My final thoughts is it doesn't matter who does it. You know, just I hope people keep doing it. Um, Sasha did a unmasked anthology years ago i have to dig that one out again you know when talking about redoing you know the inner sanctum I, I can't remember what that was but i think andrew set a good high bar that other fans will hopefully think i want to do a documentary well what is your documentary going to be is it going to be about an era or is it going to be about your country because there's plenty of countries that i would love to do their documentaries scandinavia sweden in particular um oh, yeah. germany England and Japan. And when we talk about, you know, the inner sanctum, Australia, I I mean, come on, focus on your own country if you want, or someone in New York city, New York city is a country, you know, there are so many. I think think much like uh, Carl Linnaeus is doing now with uh, the release of his uh, book, where he's focusing on his fandom and how he, found Kiss and uh, how uh, uh, he became a fan and, and how Kiss has uh, been evolving in Sweden when it comes to popularity and so on. I think that would be perfect for, for a film. Yep. I mean, the Swedes are the next level Kiss fans. I mean, you're yeah, just yeah. totally out there in terms of the stuff. I mean, Carl uh, has been a part of two great, well, many great books, actually, because there, there are other ones and very few of them are in English. You know, he does share quite a bit of his interview clips on YouTube um, that a lot of his writing was based on. But the great stories. And, you know, I want to watch documentaries. That's, I had Netflix for a bit because of the dirt. And I found that all I was doing was watching documentaries. I was watching rushes behind uh, whatever it was. Beyond the Lightest Stage? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, which, yeah, actually, which I actually have one. on DVD, but because it was on Netflix and in front of my face, I just watched it again. <laughs> Foo Fighters, back and forth, Johnny mm. Cash. You know, mm. I, I wasn't watching any of the TV shows. I don't care about that. Documentaries are just, I find, really entertaining. And I think KISS fans enjoy that sort of thing because, come on, they're not that different from a podcast that, you know, hopefully entertain you for an hour. And since we're at an hour, let's call that an episode. We're over an hour, actually. We don't want to be too long here. Daniel, great topic, and thank you for staying up late to uh, join us for an episode. Alex, thank you for joining us with your little bundle of joy. And Ken, of course, as always, thank you. And to you, the listeners and watchers, thank you very much for joining us today. What are your thoughts on the topics that we've discussed today? Ace Frehley's news? Yeah, whatever. Um, Daniel's topic, you know, an era of the band's history that you would like turned into a documentary and how you would approach it what what era and what are some of the key things that you'd like to see featured in it you know just as a, a basic thing so chime in wherever you watch or read or find out about this episode and uh we'll hopefully see you next time so bye for now editor out of the-
Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.